Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman here with you on a Wednesday morning. We always appreciate you guys listening. However you're listening to us, be it at supertalk.fm or anywhere podcasts are found. We always appreciate our listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there serving our country across the world and tuning in to us wherever you might be. We also want to give our thanks to our sponsor, Strange Brew Coffee House and Turn and Spoon Ice Cream. Again, the wafting of the blueberry smell is 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 permanent. It's almost it's almost a, it's almost going to be the part where you walk into the Super Talk Studios and like I smell blueberries. That would not be a bad thing. In no, I, I'm not against that. To be honest with you, I'm a blueberry everything. I, like, oh, I yo, love some, you I love preaching some, to the choir over uh, here. Went to IHOP on our vacation on the way home. Blueberry pancakes. Oh, you Absolute better believe blueberry it. Blueberry syrup. Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Blueberry cobbler. Oh. Uh, well, I blueberry mean, cheesecake, bl- blueberry everything. Like yeah. if there is a fruity some component, and you're asking me which flavor, blueberry, blueberry. I, I, we are in complete agreement. What's second? Strawberry. Really? Yeah. Then cherry. I like strawberry. I'm actually a big peach guy. I don't I like, like peaches. peaches. Yeah. My buddy Robert. Maybe that's my Georgia. Yeah. My, my buddy my Robert St. John would be would be happy to hear you talking about peaches. Love some peach. Yeah, he loves them. Uh, yeah, cherry is up there for me. I don't like apple either. Like cherry pop tarts, I don't. I don't really like pop tarts, but okay. uh, no, I don't like cherry pop. Blueberry pop tarts are number one. Frosted grape is actually number one. I like. I don't know that I've had grape pop tarts. I don't like grapes. I like grape flavor things because they're not the same. I have been told. I've never actually had a grape, but there's something about them that is. Eh. But uh, love grapes. But I've been told many times that grape, just grapes, do not taste like grape flavored things, at all. Ah, I'm trying to. I think I think that's a fair thing, but I like great I, I like great flavoring and I like grapes. So if I, you if you want to like spend a quarter and make Brian happy, I shouldn't I shouldn't have it because it's bad. But a grape airhead is like my favorite thing. Me and really? me and Alvin Kamara love the airheads. So Jolly Rancher, big Jolly Rancher guy. I'm not a big Jolly Rancher guy, but a grape one is fine. Yeah. The only grape candy I don't like is I don't, I don't like this candy for any, is now and later's. Yeah. Now and later's are the worst candy. I will. I, that's a hill I'm willing to die on. Is that I would. I don't want to eat an Allen later. Uh, if candy corn's in that discussion, candy corn's out. Candy corn is the number one. Now and later is in the top five. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm good with that. Candy corn is a disgusting. God, it is terrible, man. It is just sugar that has been fabricated into a corn-like. It's. All, it doesn't even look like corn, but it, it's, it's awful. Don't ever eat candy corn. We're only three months away I from found that out stuff today, flowing like wine, man. It's, I found out today I'm gonna have to increase the dad tax this year. Because my kids, we went to the orthodontist today. Which, by the way, if anybody wants to loan me any money, uh, let me know, and I'll, <laughs> I'll set you up with the bank details. Uh, but uh, they, they're like, can't have these sticky foods. I'm like, all right, dad tax just went up. I got to take those out. <laughs> so this is gonna be a fantastic. Did you see this other thing going around? We're, we're way off topic here, but uh, and Strange Brew Coffee House, check them out on Highway 12 and Spring Street. Uh, talking about moving Halloween, making it permanently just the last Saturday of the month. Instead of being the thirty first, is that like a federal something? They're, they're trying to do a petition to make it that way, and I'm just like, thousands of kids in the South are going to stop having Halloween, basically, or you know they're going to tailgate Halloween or something because I, I mean, in like fifty years there'll be no Halloween in the South. Now here here's the deal, like I really think that's not a bad idea from a from like a I think October thirty first always needs to be Halloween, just period, but. Aren't there some holidays like that are observed on certain days, but the actual day is later kind of deal? Like Martin Luther King Day, for example. 
it, it's not actually like it's always a it's certain. Like, it's a third Monday or whatever. Yeah, yeah but Memorial it, Day is the last. Yeah, whatever. Well, the last I'm Monday just thinking more like. Ah, uh, anyway, I, I don't know what I'm trying. I to, saw. Yeah, there's something like like some birthdays are like celebrated yeah. on oh, certain yeah, yeah. days, but like yeah, yeah. the birth the actual birthday is like later. Why can't you do that for Halloween? Like we observe it and trick or treat on the last Saturday of every uh, whatever. Well, no, that's Saturday. the problem though. But the, I wouldn't trick or treat on like. I wouldn't be part of trick or treating this year. You, neither will you. You'll be you'll be in College Station. That's true. Yeah. So didn't think didn't think that far ahead. Right. So yeah, I'm not a big fan of this idea at all. Like I said, for football, I mean, kids are going to late. So I'm sorry, son. You know, think about it. if you're a Texas A&M fan. Yeah, sorry, son. We're going to the game. Tell you trick or treat some other time. This is not going to happen. So well, th- th- I, this isn't going to happen. You do know that like. They may do it in Starkville, but I know in Ackerman, like growing up, mm-hmm. if, if Halloween fell on a Sunday or something, they would change it. But that's you, the thing. you weren't trick or treating on a Sunday, so why couldn't you do that on a Saturday? If it, you know, if well, that's a- the problem that they're saying they want to have the trick or treating on this Saturday, and then that's it. And, and somebody made Dan Walker made a dumb point. He was like, you know, people have Halloween parties, but they're not on Halloween. I'm like, hey, do you know a lot of people having Christmas parties on Christmas Day? Like. Just because you had the, the party is never the same day as yeah. the, the holiday. Yeah, you just, it's just it's the Friday or Saturday before. That's just how life works. So it's dumb. Yeah, keep Halloween. Just keep on Halloween on October thirty first. It makes everything pretty simple. There we go. And all if right. you, and if you miss it because there's a football game one year, well, guess what? Next year, next year, you're all in. You're, you'll be so, fine. Actually, it may be on a Sunday if it's on a Saturday one year, and so exactly. If you, if you it, do they'll, football, they'll make it work. Yeah, they'll make it work. So anyway, we just spent ten minutes talking about random stuff. Hope you enjoyed that. Almost spent like five minutes. Uh Today's show, the T in Joel T. Coleman today stands for Tennessee. <laughs> Rocky I think Peter Griffin can do it. Rocky Tap will always be home sweet home to me. <laughs> Woo! Oh. Rocky Top. And Cleveland coming there. Rocky Top, Tennessee. To clarify, that woo was not Joel T. That was Brian Hayden. Yeah. That's Peter Griffin. Uh, volunteers. Uh, this, this is an interesting game. It's a lot of storylines in this game. That one of which I discovered uh, in my interview. I didn't talk about it. I brought it, I'll bring it here. But I talked to Wes Rucker from Go Vols 24-7. We'll be coming up with that in just a little bit. The first storyline is sort of obvious. And that's Pruitt was one of the guys we thought might be in on the MSU job. And it went to Moorhead. So this is sort of a fun litmus test. Maybe fun might not be the word, but it's sort of a litmus test of who made the better hire. Yeah, you know. In fact, I mean, look, I, I make no claims that I'm the best reporter there ever was, but I mean, if you would tell me to label the guy that would have been the coach if it wasn't Moorhead, it would probably be Pruitt. Like if you just told me to guess based on what I was told leading into the thing. Now, you may have heard something different, and other reporters may have heard something different, may have been closer to the situation than I was, but Pruitt was the name that I heard a ton more than any other Yeah, um, going into that deal. So if you just made me guess, if Joe Moorhead did not get named the head coach who was going to, I would have said Pruitt, but that doesn't necessarily mean the case. But So, yeah, that's a to me, that's a neat little – and, again, I don't know that neat's the word, but that's a part of this game – is the fact that you have two of the guys that could have been the Mississippi State head coach, and of course one of them is. One of them is, yeah. The other interesting storyline to me is, you look at these two teams and what they how they lost games last year. Mississippi State lost games because of offense, but hired an offensive coach. Tennessee lost games because of defense. They gave up, and there are seven losses. Uh, in six of them, they gave up 38 or more points. Um, and Pruitt is a defensive head coach. 
So it's sort of a, you know, what's got to give? And I guess if we're going to look at like a box score kind of thing, this is another, it's another litmus test for both of these coaches. Who improved more? Who figured it out? When you look at MSU's, you know, the way they, they performed in their losses, I mean, I, 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 I feel like I'm saying it every show now, 16 points in four games, uh, just looking at the regular season. And then Tennessee, you know, and Wes Rucker brings this up in the interview, and we'll get to that in just a minute, but he thought, you know, Alabama, you expect that to happen, right? Georgia, that's fine. Florida, they gave up 47 points. They turned the ball over six times. I mean, it's just going to happen. But they gave up 50 to Missouri, and they gave up 38 to Vandy. So... Sort of a mixed bag there with this Tennessee defense. Just right now, looking ahead, you know, knowing what you, I don't know what you know about Tennessee, but who's going to have that advantage in this game? I feel like that it's state. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think we've already ran through the Tennessee schedule, hadn't we? Have we done that yeah, on the show? Yeah, we did them yesterday. That's no, right. not yesterday. We did, we did them week before uh, Media Days. Yeah. And uh, I had state winning that game in Knoxville. Um, I just feel like that State has a better chance to improve its offense than Tennessee does to get its defense up to where it needs to be. So, I don't know. I feel like State is the better team going into that game. I don't think Tennessee is going to be – I don't know. I I do think that, that Pruitt has that program a little bit on the way up, but I just don't think they're there yet, man. How do you – you just ran off those numbers. You give up 38 points to Vandy, 50 to Missouri. How can you expect that to be just – a ton better, right? This year, and I, I like, I, I'm you not, know, did you bring in? I mean, unless you brought in, I guess you could conversely look at that if you want to talk about Mississippi State for a minute. How can you expect the offense to be right a ton? But but you have a new quarterback, and you, you can. Start That's my point. Is you know, things. state What's state new? has new faces on yes. offense that you can point to, and and, 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 and new and reasons. St- yeah, at Stevens and Zuber, and say okay, and and, and Stevens coming in, especially with the familiarity with the Moorhead offense. There's a reason to point to that and say they should be better this year. What reasons do what, I what have? Are, yeah, exactly. What are my reasons to think Tennessee is going to be better uh, than they were a season ago? Yeah. And I don't think – granted, I don't know the Vols program inside and out. Don't know them inside or out, probably. Mm-hmm. But I don't see any from the outside looking in right. to, to, to think they're, they're going to be that much better. They've recruited well. And, and you know, they, they have talent. I don't think talent's the issue there. They just – you know – are they as talented as the other teams they're going to play in the country? That's the thing about Tennessee that to me is they've just been had a drop off in elite talent. You know, there were times a decade ago where Tennessee had as many players in the NFL as anybody. You know, they were the team that was putting guys in the NFL, you know, stars into the NFL. And now, you know, they're just not doing that anymore. And that there's no greater sign of a team, you know, in decline uh, than that. Um, this is the you know we're talking. This is game six for Mississippi State. You know, at this point we should have a full, complete understanding of what this offense is going to be, and, and what this you know what Tommy Stevens is going to be. How big is Kylan Hill's role in this offense? So for me, if things have gone the right way for Mississippi State, this is a game where they they should be one of those teams putting up thirty plus points on Tennessee and and rolling in and getting a victory. If not. If that's not the case, is State's defense going to be good enough to slow down Tennessee's offense, which has some playmakers? Yeah. Garantano's an interesting, you know, I think Garantano is sort of, he and Felipe Franks were sort of on the same career trajectory. And Franks got the uh, the Mullen bump. If Mullen had gone to Tennessee, which was going to be the plan had Florida not swooped in at the last minute, I wonder if, would Garantano have gotten the same results, do you think? 
I mean, Mullen's got that reputation for giving. I think so because Mullen has bumped pretty much everybody, right? Chris Ralph, yeah, got the Mullen bump. Yeah, uh, you know, he, he's he's kind of had that magic to anywhere he goes, where whoever the quarterback is, he's going to pull just a little more out of him. So yeah, I I've, if I had to guess, I, I would think so for sure. Um, but yeah, it, Mullen didn't go there, so he did. Right, right. <laughs> just, um. And then, you know, Ty Chandler is a very solid back for Tennessee. Marquez Callaway is a guy who had a tr- huge freshman year up there. Uh, didn't do as much last season. Jawan Jennings, uh, more, more people reckon, recognize him for that incredible catch against Georgia two seasons ago, that Hail Mary catch that Josh Dobbs, one of, the fan, one of my favorite college football endings of all time. And if you ever want a good laugh, uh, go find the Georgia broadcast of that because, uh, as, as Joel knows, because we caught them uh, on a game when we come back from Alabama, we listen to the Georgia Georgia Auburn broadcast. That sounds right. And talk about two of the biggest homers in the sport. <laughs> I mean, everything is we and they with Georgia's broadcast. I mean, I know Larry Munson did it, and it was sort of you know, you know, folksy. These guys are just like they're making it obvious what's happening up there. So. Uh, they don't take it well when Jennings comes down with It'd that. Be like, and this this is not a knock; it's just the truth. It'd be like Brandon Walker calling a state game. Yeah, and he did what? What? The, <laughs> what the hell just happened? What do you mean he's gonna? What? Uh, I would love to see Brandon Walker call. I think I don't want to see State lose, obviously, but like Brandon Walker calling the '97 Egg Bowl if it, if it had happened, <laughs> if I could get that in real time. Oh my gosh, that would have been one of the the. That would be internet gold. We'll put it that way. Good luck to. By the way, you know, there's been some. I want to. I want to clear some air here. By the way, real quick, Brandon Walker. You know, off to, to New York for the for Barstool. I got nothing but respect for that guy at this point, man. He's doing really well. He's living the dream right now. So good for him. Uh, I'm, I'm glad his podcast doesn't seem to be happening anymore. Hopefully, we'll get some of his <laughs> listeners. But man, I think he's going to do really well up there. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for him. And uh, if nothing else. It stakes a claim. You know, he's part of my coaching tree, right? That's right. That's right. You know, <laughs> he's gone on to do better. Than, he's doing better than me. So Brandon and my Brandon and I, our paths never crossed just a ton. Yeah. he was basically gone when he's I. He's a big in. fan of yours, but uh, oh, I, I, our interactions have always been great, and he's yeah. he's always making me crack up, and we've always oh, he's hilarious. He, yeah. We're always giving each other that a little bit of crap here and there. Tailor made for him. It is. Yeah. And, yeah, like he's, you said, man. I don't know. I, I guess I, should, I think I know what he's going to be doing, but I don't know that he's announced it yet, so we'll uh, we'll let him have the uh, the fun with that. But you're going to be seeing a lot of him over there at Barstool. All right, back to Tennessee. Do you know when the last time State played there, by the way? And I bring this up in the interview. Uh, it was the cream years. Hmm? Uh, I remember this because I watched it in uh, – What's the Mexican place across from? I about said Food Max. I guess it's Vowels Family Market. Casa Brava. Yeah, I can't remember if it was Casa Brava. Well, we don't go there. They serve Pepsi. Well, this was like you know when this happened was like 12, 13 years ago. Now it was still Casa Brava then. I was think. it still Casa Brava? I think. Well, that was where I was in the game. It used to be Mexico Tipico that, back in the day. Is it was it two thousand six? Two thousand eight. Croom's last year. Okay. Head coaches in this game were Sylvester Croom and Phil Fulmer. This Fulmer's, uh, I believe that's his last season there as well. So they were both on the way out, and, and nobody realized it with Fulmer. I guess Croom, you sort of had an idea. Uh, of course, you know, I don't know if you really knew that he was going to be on the way out to the end of the Egg Bowl. Um, and then, of course, haven't played each other at all since 2012 when MSU won here. Uh, 
41-31, that last second touchdown pass to Malcolm Johnson. Derek Dooley having to coach the game from the press box because he had broken his leg or something yeah. the, you know, a week before. Um, it's great. It really is insane that these you know two programs. I mean, this is state's first trip there in eleven years. That doesn't yeah. make any sense. They're they're in the. Think about where state has been since then. They've been to Kansas State. They've been to uh, Louisiana Tech. Uh, they've been to. I'm trying to think of play some road you know other road games outside of the conference. You know played played at Southern Mississippi, and they haven't played at Tennessee in this time period. Uh, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if there is an answer, but that's one of my gripes about how the sec does things is just the infrequency of seeing some of the going get, getting the chance to go to some of these east places and, and vice versa i mean we, we've talked about it before but missouri still hadn't been to starkville hadn't yeah. happened at all i think next year is the first year i think that's right um so yeah it's just odd and and state doesn't go back to florida until what 2026 or something like 2025. that yeah so it's my oldest daughter will be a college student. She might go to that game as a student. I mean, I don't know if there's an answer. She's thirteen here. now, just for for reference. <laughs> I don't know if there's an answer here, but it just I don't like it. I'm not a fan of it. How, how you see, and it's so easy. And, and you know, West gives his solution. My solution is different than his. Mine is just to get rid of the divisions, and you you play you three permanents for state. State's permanents should be. I would play Ole Miss, obviously. Uh I would not say Alabama because Alabama's two of their permanents are going to be out, are Tennessee and Auburn, and really you want to keep Alabama LSU, don't you? Absolutely, you do. Right, you want to keep that. <laughs> yes. So for more than one reason. So the, for Mississippi State, probably Auburn should be the other one. Although Auburn's going to have Auburn are going to have Georgia and Alabama, so I don't know. And then who do you want to keep? It's, it's, it's difficult. Um, and then the, you know, third, NCAA the third one football, should be yeah oh yeah yeah NCAA Houston. football the video game Arkansas was always listed as like a rivalry game if I remember yeah right. but I could live with that one I, the the third game should be one of the the former East teams and I don't think it should be Kentucky to be totally honest with you I'm not a big rival according to Dan Mullen oh yeah big rivalry game we used to win it all the time uh, I don't know I don't know who the third team would be but that's where you should go and then you just you play those three teams and then the other five just alternate on and off and you play they, they the way you set that up is. In a four a four year senior would play everybody, would play. They may not go everywhere, but, but you, you play would play everybody. everybody. You know, we're just going all over the place today. Yeah, it's fun. My, my problem with that though is at the end of eight conference games, everyone has played such a different schedule. Do you really have two well, division champions? No, because there? no, no, no. I just said you got rid of the divisions. You top, got rid of the divi- top oh, two go divisions gone. That's right. Top two go. It's the same as same as the Big Twelve. Top two go. Now, the Big Twelve does is able to do it in a way that they have they have nine games I think so they play uh, so everybody plays everybody yeah and I, I mean I, I don't know if that's the way to go either but whatever yeah all in, right. in a fourteen team league you can't have a no I you agree can't do I that, agree but. all right let's let's get to this interview with Wes and uh, talk a little bit more about Tennessee Wes Rucker longtime guy up there covering the Volunteers for twenty four seven Sports Go Vols twenty four seven eight 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 twenty four seven site that the name makes sense let's go to that interview now. We will continue our opponent preview with an opponent we don't get to talk about very much. Wes Rucker joins us from Go Vols 24-7 to talk about Tennessee. Wes, I assume these teams are still in the same conference, right? MSU's first trip to Knoxville since 2008. The head coaches for that game, Sylvester Croom and Phil Fulmer. It's been a long time since the Bulldogs uh, were, were up there. Just, just real quick, before we get into the, the preview, is this right? I mean, for conference scheduling, these two teams haven't played each other since 2012, and like we said, this first trip for, to Knoxville in, in, in 11 years. Is there a way to fix this that, y- that you've got like a quick solution for? 
Yeah, I, I do, but I don't think coaches like you very much. That's had a ninth SEC game. You, you know, I, I think that's uh, – I remember when, when the SEC had six games there uh, and they tried to move it up to seven. Coaches complained about it, said the SEC would never win a national championship. Well, they, they didn't. That was fine. Then they moved it up to eight games, and every coach said, oh, there's no way the SEC is going to win a national championship now. The first year of the eight games, well, you know, right there after there, Tennessee goes and wins a national title. So, yeah. I mean, it's not – it, it, coaches don't like it, and I understand why. Um, but I think some other conferences are going to, and I think that he's going to have to do it too. It just if you if you have that many teams in your league, and you want to go at least, you know, if you want to go somewhere more than once a decade, um, then you got to do it that way. If you look at the FBS teams on Mississippi State's schedule, uh, they've played everybody in the last five years other than Tennessee. So that's just a team that, for me, I'm not familiar with. Give me a, a like a over overview, a thousand feet above the ground look at Tennessee this year. What am I looking for from the Volunteers? Well, I can tell you, in short, Tennessee was good for about 110 years, and the past 10 years hasn't been quite so good. You know that that's that's the short way to put it. But but no, I I think that. You know, this is a team that people don't like the word rebuilding, but 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 it's rebuilding. You know, um, when you're trying to shuffle the deck, they had something going there with Majors and Fulmer. They had two coaches for 30 years, and they had all kinds of consistency, all kinds of continuity. Now they don't have any of that. So what you've got now is you've had several coaches the past few years. So you've got coaches from different systems, you know, recruiting guys, trying to mix and match. Now you've got a Tennessee team that I think looks more – physically capable than it did last season, but I don't know that that is a guarantee that it's going to go out there and be a good year. I, I think that there is a potential for this team to go out there and be better, um, but there's holes on that roster. The, when, when the, the roster that Pruitt and those guys took over, they could not fix that in one year. So they were going to have to kind of pick and choose, and I think they've done a pretty good job of, of picking and choosing the right battles, but they still have a roster that needs help. I like Jarrett Garantano. I've, I, you know, from what I've been able to watch of him, I think he's a capable quarterback. But you know, capable doesn't win a lot of games in the SEC. What's the ceiling for him this season? How good can he be this year? Well, I think the ceiling's pretty high, but but that doesn't mean that that's where he'll be. If that makes any sense, uh, you know, it, it's hard for me to say a lot about Garantano because last year you kind of had to watch his offensive line to understand how good of a job he was doing. Um, because uh, I don't have the numbers right here in front of me. Probably should have because I knew you were calling. But <laughs> I, I think that, 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 you know, basically of 120 or so FBS teams, you know, Garantano was in the bottom 10 in terms of the amount of time he had to throw the football. You know, I think it was like two-thirds or something of his passes. He was rushed. Uh, it was just an unbelievable amount of times. And then he had the worst rushing attack in the SEC. So he was hit all the time. He was running for his life all the time. He was banged up. And despite all that, he found a way to complete a pretty fair amount of his passes. So, uh, you know, I don't want to sit there and say that, oh, everything's great. You know, he's the best quarterback ever. But I do think that when you have the kind of offensive line situation they had last year, I think you got to give the kid a little bit of slack. I don't think he's that bad. Uh, I, I do think that, that if they can protect him a little bit better this season, if they can stay a little bit healthier up front, He'll have a chance because he has a really good group of wide receivers, um, and I think he's got some a pr- couple pretty good running backs behind him too. So, and maybe maybe one of the better tight ends in the league. So, they've got things around him, um, but it doesn't matter if you don't protect him. I know Ty Chandler. I know Marquez Callaway. Those are names that are probably going to be familiar to most most people who follow the SEC. Who are some other playmakers that the Volunteers have this year that that we should be keeping an eye on? 
Well, I think the other name people will probably be familiar with is Juwan Jennings, yeah. um, the the wide receiver who's, you know, if that kid could have stayed healthy throughout his career, it would have been a totally different story um, but because he is just a big physical playmaker, about 6'3", you know, just a big, strong guy, um, really, really competitive. His teammates call him Dog because he competes like a dog in everything. He just he is an unbelievable competitor. He's a guy who's going to go out there and make plays too. Um, one of the most intriguing guys they have on their entire team is a guy named Dominic Wood Anderson, who two years ago was the number one tight end prospect um, in the JUCO ranks. And this is a kid who uh, they timed him this summer and they did all the measurements and everything. And he is a little over six four, weighs two hundred seventy pounds, and runs a four six forty. So he is what you might call a unicorn. He is a really rare kind of athlete. But, um, you know, tight ends are so dependent on the guys around them, too. You know, you got to protect the, you know, you got to protect the quarterback. You got to get the ball out on time. It's a lot of things you got to do. And that tight end position is a hard one to learn. So I think last season, he was in the first year at the SEC level. And, that, and that's a big difference because this is a kid who I think played quarterback in high school. And he played wide receiver basically at JUCO. So he just kind of gradually kept getting bigger and then became a tight end, and he didn't really know how to play the position. Now I think he's learning that. So he is a pretty good player, could be a really good player. So that's another name to watch too. Um, But there's a couple playmakers on that offense. I think maybe the most intriguing wide receiver talent they have is a kid named Josh Palmer, who is about 6'3", 220 pounds, 215 pounds, really, really fast. Big, 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 strong kid and fast. He's probably the best of all their wide receivers in terms of his NFL potential, um, but uh, he had to learn how to play the position. He didn't play a lot of football growing up. He's from Canada, and he's a guy who um, has kind of been newer to the game than everybody else. If he picks things up, then he has the ability to be a great player. But, you know, a lot of it's, you know, they've got some pretty good players, but they need, they've got guys who need to pick it up too. When you look at Tennessee a season ago, defensively, uh, gave up 38 points or more in six different games. Obviously, all of those were losses for the Volunteers. Jeremy Pruitt, a defensive coach, it, it's sort of interesting. You look at Mississippi State and Joe Moorhead and the way they performed in offense, on offense in losses, and he's an offensive coach. Pruitt in losses defensively, they, they sort of were, were out, of, out of sorts there. How much better will they be defensively this season? I think they'll be better. You know, I think in a lot of games last season, you know, because a lot of that – there are some misnomers in there because, you know, for instance, like the Florida game, Tennessee turned the ball over six times. Yeah. And, and I don't care how many times, I don't care how decent you're playing on the defensive end, you turn over six times, a lot of times inside your own half the field, you're going to a lot of points. That's just how that goes. So, you know, I, I think that uh, between that and the offense not helping them out very much, I think that was part of the reason they had some struggles uh, last year in that way. But, but I do think that they are a team that um, – you know, they're, they're trying to learn a different way to play defense. You know, Pruitt wants to come in and play that 3-4 like Bama and Georgia and all those guys. That's his system. He, he's known that system. He's always coached to that system. Um, but you got to have bigger players to do that. And, and Tennessee was in a transition year last year. Didn't have a lot of size. Didn't have a lot of, you know, really great players on that side of the ball. And, and I think that that, that was going to be a rough year for them because they were trying to learn how to play. But if you watch – you know, the film from last season, Tennessee defensively wasn't quite that bad. Um, you know, Bama's going to do what it does to people. Georgia's going to do what it does to people. They turned the ball over six times against Florida. So that's three of your eight games right there. And, and that's going to throw your numbers off. That's, that's just how that's going to be. So I think they're okay there. I think they got a chance to be pretty solid. 
Um, if they want to be really good, though, they got to rush the passer better um, because in this day and age, everybody spreads the field. Everybody likes to chuck and duck a little bit. If you can't put pressure on the quarterback, you're hurting. And they got one guy, uh, Daryl Taylor, who's the SEC's leading returning sack guy. But other than that, they don't have much pass rush. So they got to get better there if they want to be better on defense. When you look at this game in particular, Tennessee versus Mississippi State, right there, sort of smack dab in the middle of the season. Uh, both teams will be coming off of, of big conference games the previous week. State will be at all. Actually, State comes off the bye, but they'll play Auburn the previous week. Tennessee has Georgia that week and then Florida, obviously, before that. This is a huge game from, from my perspective for both teams. Just from the Tennessee perspective, how key is this Mississippi State game? Well, I think it's one of the the biggest games on the schedule, and I say that because you know, if Tennessee wants to kind of be there and, and take that next step and get to, you know, seven, maybe even eight wins and you really kind of start turning the corner a little bit, there's a couple games they really got to win if they want to get there, I think. One of them is South Carolina and the other one's Mississippi State. Those are, are two games that are right there that, that Tennessee, that they're very, very losable games, but if Tennessee plays well, they're also games Tennessee could win. You know, there's a lot of transition there in Mississippi State. I think a lot of people, you know, are, are kind of floored when they saw how many guys State had at the Combine last year. And, you know, if you don't watch State a lot, you, you didn't realize just how many players they had on that team last year. And they still have some now, um, but they lost a lot last year. So this is a good time for Tennessee to be playing them, or at least a better time than usual. So they've got an opportunity to go out there and win that football game if they do what they're supposed to do. Um, but uh, if they go out there and they don't play well, they could get crushed. And those two games right there, South Carolina and Mississippi State, those are two absolutely critical games for Tennessee. Uh, because if Tennessee can win those games, it can be a pretty solid year. If not, they're going to be hurt. You know, th- those are games that they just, you know, to be to be put as simply as possible, Tennessee has got to win at least one of those games, if not both of them, if they want to have the kind of year they want to have. All right. Wes Rucker from Go Vols 24-7, man. Thanks for jo- so much uh, for joining me on the podcast today. No problem. Anytime. Happy to help. All right, thanks again to Wes for uh, for taking time out of his day. We definitely appreciate that. Uh, he he's sort of like me in terms of, of you know never never going to be the most sunshiny guy. But you know with Tennessee, they, they they really are in sort of wait and see, sort of prove it to me mode, right? You you can't sit there and, and with any real confidence look at Tennessee and go, oh yeah, that's an eight win team, right? Uh, not unless you're just the sunshine pumpingest of the sunshine pumpers. I mean it. I don't see it, but that said, I mean, you, you could draw out some scenarios where like Carolina's terrible and Kentucky's terrible and maybe Missouri isn't as good, and then you start you start drawing a path for them to, right. to get there, kind of thing. But uh, but yeah, but the problem is they still have to play Georgia, yeah. Florida, Alabama. Um, they don't have a tough non-conference game this year, which is good for them. Um, but I agree with what Wes was saying. For them to have the real season they want to have. This is a game they have to win. They really need to beat Mississippi State. Yeah. But the same thing holds for Mississippi State. Yeah, this is the difference for State winning, what, six or seven or maybe eight. Eight, eight or eight, or, no, eight, eight and or having more. a shot at nine. Especially, it depends on what happens. You know, the, the two weeks before this, you know, State State has the, the blessing of this is a bye game. They, they play this game after a bye week, but the game before that is the Auburn game. These two games at Auburn, at Tennessee, is the difference. This is where the pendulum, pendulum swings with pendulum. I can't. This is where the thing swings between <laughs> six wins and nine wins. Win them both, you're probably going to win nine because you're going to win. You're going to beat Kentucky. You're going to win your four non-conference games. That's five. So we, and then give me seven for beating Auburn and Tennessee, and you're going to beat Arkansas and Ole Miss. 
Yeah. And now you've won nine. You're going to win nine games. Lose both. And well, we're, now we're at, we just said we're at seven. But do you have complete faith in being able to beat Kentucky? Or even, you know, to go on the road and Arkansas could be better. You never know. And the Egg Bowl. Always a toss Stranger things have happened. So, yeah. This is a huge, huge game for Mississippi State. Is it bigger for Mississippi State or Tennessee? Who, who do you think it's bigger for? Ah, uh, well, I, it's tough to say because sitting here in Starfield, I won't say Mississippi State. Yeah. But if I lived in Knoxville covering Tennessee, I'd probably say Tennessee. I mean, you could make a case either way there. I think it's, tell you what I do think is critical for it. It's going to be critical towards um, does Moorhead maintain the fan confidence kind of deal? Yeah. That, that sort of thing. This would be a this game be where a he could get a lot of it back if you go up to yeah. Tennessee and win. And, and you're at, you know, you're at worst probably five and one. If you win this game, probably, yeah. you know, you, that's that's saying you lose at Auburn, um, and if you're five and one heading into LSU's the game after this, right? Yeah, five and one heading into the yeah. LSU game. I think everybody take that. Like yeah. if if that was laid out to you right here, right now, five and one going into the LSU game, would you say sign me up for that? You, you lost to Auburn. Yep. Yeah, I think you take that. I think you have to take that if you're a Mississippi State fan. Because at that point, you probably get to bowl eligibility here at six and one. And then you still have Arkansas and Ole Miss left on your schedule. That's seven and one, eight and one, right? Right. Maybe my math's off here. Maybe you're <laughs> you're five and one. You beat if you beat Tennessee, then you're six and one. No way. You're five no, and one playing LSU. You're five and two playing after yeah, LSU. Five and two after. LSU. But then you still have Arkansas, Ole Miss. So that's seven, and, and Abilene, Abilene Christian, Christian, which is eight. Is eight. So yeah, you're looking at if you're five and one after this Tennessee game, you're looking at a eight win season. Yeah. Which is exactly what you had last year. And I think this year, given what you lost on defense, given, you know, I think everybody feel okay with 8-4, and four, particularly if there was some offensive life. So, yeah, I, I, we're kind of beating a dead horse, but this game is huge. It, it is, like you said, it may be the pendulum swinger for Tennessee, but for State it's the same thing. So um, I don't know that nationally a lot of people will look at this game as a huge game, but with the two teams that are playing it, May not be a bigger game on the schedule. Yeah, and this this you know just my thought is going to be this will be a night game in Knoxville. Never been to Knoxville by the way. Have you? Not for a game. This is the uh, been to Knoxville, but not. This for is the first uh, trip for me for Knoxville, and you talking about of the old SEC, not of the old SEC. I guess technically of the old SEC. This is the last trip I have to make. The only two I haven't made are are after Knoxville will be College Station and Missouri, and I'll knock out College Station next year this year as well, and then Missouri. I don't know, 2028. I don't know when that game's going to be. I might still be alive. You never know. Uh, but, yeah, so this is a huge game for Mississippi State. Really, really big game for the Bulldogs. This, this to me, is the swing game of the season. Because Auburn, if you lose to Auburn, you can still you can get past that. But if you're 5-2 and two coming out of this game, you're going to be 5-3 and three playing after LSU. And then you're, you know you're going to lose to Alabama, so you're at 5-4. and four. So then you have no margin for error whatsoever. So if you win this, you know, you, I'm sorry. I guess you would be five and one, but you see what I'm getting at. If you lose this, this is a big game for Mississippi State. It has been since I saw it on the schedule a season ago. I like State's chances as we see her today. I'm not one of these people who's going to tell you that Tennessee is some somehow just so ridiculously more talented than, than Mississippi State just because they the recruiting rankings tell us that. You know, I, I'm a guy. You know, I don't get me wrong. I believe in recruiting rankings, and I think that they do. They're a good guide. I think for the most part that they are accurate. But at the same time, you do have to look at what's happening on the field to see what's going on there. So 
you know, right now, I mean, this game is probably, Tennessee's probably like a one point, two point favorite if, if you had to get a line today. But that certainly can change. And if State comes up there five and one, they're going to be favored to win this game because Tennessee will have already played Georgia and Florida at this point. They'll have two losses on the schedule. So big game for both teams. This is one of the, the, the sneaky, underrated games of the college football season in the SEC. This is going to determine the trajectory of these two programs for the, this season. And honestly, it might t- determine the tra- trajectory beyond that because, like I said early on, these two coaches are going to be compared against each other. They are. And the winner of this game, mentioned it a minute ago, but is probably that coach is going to have his, his fan base, his confidence. Yeah. And the loser is still going to be working for that. And it's tough for ten- for Pruitt at Tennessee because MSU fans, you know, beating Tennessee is a big deal. Tennessee fans, especially the older ones, they just expect to beat Mississippi State. We're Tennessee. They're Mississippi State. We're going to win the game. That's just how they 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 believe. It's not 1998. It's not 1998 anymore, and that's tough. That's a tough pill for a lot of folks to swallow. Yep. But uh, we'll see what happens up there uh, in Knoxville. All right. Tomorrow's show. Change the focus to a different opponent. We're talking about the Auburn Tigers. Uh, another huge game, and that is all. That has traditionally been the game. The winner of that game goes on to win eight or more. The loser of that game is winning six or less. So, it is, so tomorrow we're going to talk about whether Waffle House is going to get the Malzahn family's business or not. That is correct. Okay. If not, if they don't get it though, I I'll tell you what. If they can't get the Wal, the Malzahn business that that night, I I will deliver business to. So them. either way, they're getting. Well, they're, shoot, they're, they're, they're probably going to They're state fans. They're rooting for Hey Dad. They're probably going to want me to show up. To be totally <laughs> honest with you. So all right. Guys, have a great Wednesday. Back with you again on Thursday morning to talk about the Auburn Tigers. For Joel T. Coleman. Woo! No power T, though. Just the T. Just the T. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk, Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.